down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, you lucky little ducklings out there in this big, wide, wide world of Warhammer. You are back joining me for the sultry jackhammer-like tones of Mr. Adam Camilleri. We're here for the part two of the of Leagues of Votan review, joined once again by the uh, the harp-like, the classical musical dulcet pieces uh, constructed by the wonderful vocal cords of Mr. Richard Siegler. Welcome back to the show, brother. It's just a beautiful dynamic we have, Adam. It's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we're back to do part two of the Leagues of Votan review. Part one came out to some fanfare, some people enjoyed that one. There's a couple of comments about how jarring it is listening to my, you know, quote-unquote bombastic vocals next to, yeah, the sultry tones of Mr. Richard Siegler. You're getting the true bad cop, good cop juxtaposition uh, for your ear holes <laughs> upon this episode. Probably enough, I'm the bad cop, though. Yes, secretly. That's the, that's the M. Night Shalamalan. bad cop. Yeah, the M. Night Shalamalan. Uh, twist and yes i am taking the piss out of the name um but yeah we're here to do the second part of the review and this is going to be a spicy spicy episode for those who do not know art of war down under the two-part podcast first part comes out leveling for you guys tuesday mornings uh 5 a.m is the standard time and it's primarily a review podcast i am here to be your one-stop shop of how to keep up with the wonderful game of 40k we're looking at it from a competitive level, from the top level. I am usually joined by a faction experts or somebody who is a luminary of uh, said faction, usually an expert uh, for whatever piece of content is being reviewed. Uh, I seem to have had a... I mean, Mr. Richard Siegler seems to be a bit of a catch-all for that, although he does have a certain kind of archetypes he does uh, respond to better than others, those being the binary, uh, did I table you in two turns or did I not varieties of Admech and Tau upon uh, numerous other... I don't want to pigeonhole you like that, but those are the things you've generally won your biggest events with. Um, so we're here to review Leagues of Votan. We did the first half of the review last week. Please go over and check that out if you have not already. We're going to be the second, doing the second half starting at the Voltanic Council. If you want the, the part two of this podcast, which will be over at theartofwar40k.com or Art of, or Art of War Down Under over on Patreon, which for this one, we're going to be going through every faction in the game to our best recollection, and talking about, just briefly, a couple of sentences, on what we think that faction needs to do to adjust for this new meta juggernaut. Uh, should be pretty fun, should be pretty fart and harsh, punchy stuff about how this meta is going to change, and how your faction probably needs to change to hopefully get as close as you can to this new, what we expect to be the top faction in the game. Uh, but Richard, hand pass to you, brother. Um, anything you'd like to plug? I'd love to plug the War Room. This is the private, all the private uh, clinics and strategy sessions, coaching matches, all that extra content we do at the Art of War is uh, concealed within the War Room. And if you want to check it out, head over to the artofwar40k.com slash learn more, and that'll give you all the details, some sample content, as well as a sweet 50% off your first month trying it out. So hope to see you in there. Beautiful. Now, jumping straight into this review as well, we got a fair bit to cover because unlike most other codices that have come out, they don't come with a whole brand new swathe of data sheets. So we are going to be covering the data sheets from a, a pretty much a top-down view when we get to them, because of course these are all brand new units to the, the game of 40k. But you're able to TLDR the review so far up until this point. We covered the the leagues themselves, the build your owns, and the stratagems, plus the uh, detachment abilities. Yeah, sorry, was there a question? Oh, sorry, are, are you willing to TLDR the uh, oh, I'm, last I'm willing week? To do, I thought that was your TLDR, <laughs> is just talking about them. So, yeah. 
the quick rundown is that they have some of the best traits in the game. There are three that are extremely powerful, and then the ones below that are still very good as well. So if you put them into any other army, they would just be absolutely bananas. Then on top of that, they have access to some of the easiest to just plug and play mortal wound strats out there. There's very consistent 12 to 16 mortals uh, via three different stratagems. And then they pretty much have every utility stratagem in the book. Everything that you could possibly want is just here. Um, and then finally, for the, their custom ones are below par, in my opinion. But there's a couple interesting combinations, especially if uh, eventually this book gets nerfed and maybe some of the traits get hit. That's where custom might get a little more interesting, but the custom, the regular league customs are so good that I doubt we're going to see those. Um, and now we're going to head over to the Botanic Council, which, guess what, has some amazing roles in here. Yeah, dude. It has possibly one of the best models, single models in the game is spawned out of this. But um, to break this down, this is your, you know, uh, what do they call it for Space Marines when you upgrade the chapter command? So when you take, you know, you upgrade your chaplain, upgrade your captain to a chapter master, this is pretty much the equivalent of that, right? I think it's called Chapter Command. Yeah. And so the Votanic Council, you can upgrade your Carl to your regular Carl, your bland vanilla Carl to be a high Carl. Um, and Grimnir becomes a Lord Grimnir. Um, Iron Master becomes a Forge Master. And they're 40, 25, and 25 points, respectively. Uh, I'm going to break down the high Carl for us, and then uh, we'll get you to give us the, the go-to on how good this is for people. So abilities first up, um, the for the 40 points, you get to just give out Chapter Master within six um, to a core character. Exactly the same. Um, a High Carl is excluded from the Hero of the Oathbound, meaning you can also include a Carl and a High Carl. So it's literally exactly the same as Chapter Master so far. The Ancestral Judgment um, gives efficient exemplars each time a High Carl model destroys an enemy unit. If that unit had one or more Judgment tokens on it, you can select one enemy unit that is visible to this model. If you do so, they gain a Judgment token. So no range restrictions there. You kill something, and then you just look at another one, and then they get judged as well. And then the Warlord trait is called Experienced Eye. In each of your command phases, this warlord can use their Grim Efficiency ability one additional time, but only if you select an enemy that has not already been selected for this ability this phase. So that is, is that, that's the ability that gives out one judgment token in your command phase, yeah? And so they'll get exactly. to do it twice. Yeah. Yep, he picks two different units now. So, 40, so, okay, so for 40 points, my Chapter Master just gets the Chapter Master thing. Then I have to pen CP to give them the extra. Um, you get the Chapter Master ability and you get the Ancestral Judgment just because, right? Yep, you just get them in addition, um, and then you get access to the Warlord trait if you want to spend command points yeah. on it. So it's not a bad package, honestly, especially because the call himself is just 70 points. Um, he's 80 if you take the Rampart Crest for the Aura of uh, Five of Invulm. So you're looking at a character who's about 110, 120 points. That's perfectly reasonable. I'm willing to pay for Chapter Master at that kind of price point. Yeah. And on top of that, um, there are some very good data sheets that benefit from this. In particular, the Hearth Guard, who can teleport away from the call and love Chapter Master rerolls. And then the Bikes, who are fast enough to start within range and then get behind um, you know, flanking maneuvers and start killing the enemy. Yeah. They love the Chapter Master rerolls as well. So it's dependent on those types. If you go very heavy on the vehicles, they're not core, so they won't be benefiting from Chapter Master as much. Um, and there are other ways to get full rerolls to hit. Like we mentioned, the strats, there's two different ways. Berserks, and then if they have a Judgment token. This seems like a really good package, though. It, well, because we only, the only comparison we have is the Space Marine one. This is the Space Marine one plus the Ancestral Judgment, just for the same 40 points. So I think this is very good. I mean, it, like you said, if you're, you're building the units that are going to get value from, from um, the Command Phase buffs and the extra sprinkling of uh, possible Judgment tokens, uh, because it's, the Ancestral Judgment gives you an extra sprinkle, and then you can take the Waller trait for a double down if you really wanted to. But I don't think that's necessary. I think Judgment count is a pretty... 
very easy to come by, so I'm not sure you'd even yeah. bother with the Warlord trait. Yeah, I frankly haven't in my... I have not bought the Warlord trait. If you're running the Greater Thurian League and you take Uthar, you buy his Warlord trait, it's experience die and one of the generic ones. In that case, it's worth it. Uh, fair enough. Um, give us the breakdown of the Lord Grim, Grimnir. So the Grimnir, this is the Psyker. Um, his ability, be, by becoming the Lord Grimnir, is that he can attempt to manifest one additional psychic power in each yep. of your psychic phases. That's that's very cool. We'll see the psychic power soon. The Ancestral Judgment is that each time the Lord Grimnir model attempts to manifest a psychic power from the Skynrot discipline, which is their unique um, Votan discipline, if there are any enemy units within 18, then you get, and they have one or more judgment tokens, you get plus one to your psychic tests. So not bad there. And then the Warlord trait, if you want to purchase it, is plus six in range to Skynrod Discipline psychic powers. Also not bad. I think this is this is the one that you can, this is the first one that you would cut out of the Votanic Council, in my opinion. This is the least essential. I think so especially, as well. Yeah, especially because his role is just going to be, I do a psychic action. And maybe I, if I take the Murmuring Stave Relic, I'll then do an, uh, uh, the command point. Yeah, and I mean, you, this isn't an army that's going to be psychic heavy. The, the most you can take is three of these, and I don't especially see anybody taking three of these. Hell, I don't see people taking two uh, Grimnias. One thing to note is you can only take one of the Botanic Council upgrades. Oh, really? You can only take one per detachment or one per army? One per army. Oof. Yeah, it's not going to be this one. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, three broke your Forge Master would be it's just right. straight up automatic. Because oh, um, yeah, so you mean it you says mean, it at the bottom there? An do you army, mean one of each or one per? You can only have one of each of these upgrades. One of each. So yes, exactly. an army yeah. cannot contain more than one model from the same league that has the same Votanic cancel keyword. Spot so it can't have the two high calls, two Lord Grimnirs, etc. That was that was important clarification because so remember yeah. there, I thought you could only take one of any of these. Um, but yeah, you can, of course, you can only take. You can only have one chapter master. You can only have one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, all right, this is the broken forge master, as I like to call him. Uh, this, this man, this guy is so good. Best so, character in the game, baby. Twenty-five broken points, guys. Twenty-five points give you this upgrade. So the ability is uh, once per battle round. If this model is on the battlefield, when you use a Votan Wargear stratagem, if the selected unit to use that stratagem is a friendly league unit within six of this Brokia Forge Master, reduce the CP cost of that stratagem by one. Uh, it, it, note that the CP is only reduced by one for that use of the stratagem. Any future uses still cost the same. But you know, as long as it's once per battle round, uh, you get to. Essentially, there's a lot of sprinkle one CP strats you just get for free now. And then the ancestral judgment: each time a Brokia Forge Master model makes an attack on an unmodified wound roll of six, if the target of the attack has one or more judgment tokens, that attack flicks a number of mortal wounds on the target equal to the damage characteristic of the attack, and the attack sequence ends. If a Brokia Forge Master model makes an attack with a beam weapon, this ability also applies to any intervening models that are hit by that beam that have one or more judgment tokens. The Waller trait, and this is whew, okay. Uh, Master Armorer, each time this world repairs a model using its Brokia Guild ability, that model being repaired regains up to three Lost Wounds instead of D3. Um, they regain four instead if they if the unit uh, has any more ECOG models, as described in the Support Abilities section. And then once per battle round, when a saving throw is failed for a friendly Legion League vehicle or League Exo-Frame model that is within six of this Warlord this Warlord can use this trait. When it does so, the damage characteristic of that attack is changed to zero. So if your toughness 8, 2 plus uh, armor save, um, armor of contempt cannot be re-rolled to wound against Land Fortress, takes a multi-melter shot, you just zero the first one. And you slow. You, of course you can slow roll that, yeah? 
Yeah, and it's also not. It doesn't make it the first failed saving throw. So whichever one you want. When you when you uh, fail one. Yeah. So some other abilities they make you do it on the first one. This mm-hmm. one you can just decide. You can wait yeah. for that. Yeah. If you think they That's might get close to killing you, you just zero the last one, right? Yeah. I mean, this this upgrade is automatic for twenty five points compared Agreed. to an Admech Holy Order. The first part alone is dramatically better, and then you get all this extra stuff that you can buy. The the fact that this CP the warrior strats are really really good. So that's a great category, and you can use it on the same one every turn. So you can make Ion Storm every single turn free, and that opens up spending your actual command points on the two other mortal strats. So it means the mortals just pop out turn after turn, and um, on top of that, he's going to be next to the um, the Land Fortress that's going to be using the Ion Storm strat. So Correct. super easy there. Correct. This, this whole ability is just absolutely amazing. For 25 points and a CP for the Warlord trait, it's just straight up automatic. Well, every single list is going to have this. This is what happens when you stick a freaking do- a tech priest Dominus and a Tallyman together. This this is the guy you get, and he's absolutely cranked. I unbelievable the value this this model yeah. brings. Like, if you just put the first part alone, that's tw- <laughs> you're effectively points. paying twenty five points for yeah. five CP. Yeah, exactly right. It, it, totally, <laughs> totally fine. Well, I with I've had a couple of thinking discussions with people saying if you were to pay points for CP, how much would you pay? And eighth edition people said they would pay up to fifty points of CP because that's how powerful CP were back then. You know, for fights twice and double moves, etc., etc. Um, in ninth edition, it's gone down, and people say they'd pay twenty five to thirty five ish points for a CP depending on the army. Uh, and this is just pay twenty five points is five CP. It's so crazy, dude. Um, so yeah. So- this guy is auto include, yeah, for you. Yep, he's hundred percent. He's the first one. He's the he's the warlord. He's the one you actually pay the warlord trade for. Because honestly, I'd rather save CP for a lot of the strats, but this is worth it by a large degree. Fair enough. And now there are only three because what? There's there's only three characters. Yeah, there's only three HQ characters. There uh, is no, one. there's four. There's the Iron Here champ. There, I was about to say upgrade. There isn't one. He's not the part champ. of the council. Yeah, fair enough. Because he's just a he's just a circa. Uh, all right, so. How good is that section in your mind? To me, that thing is broke. That section is broke. It's some of the best character upgrade. I mean, you compare this to the Necron upgrades for characters. It's <laughs> oh just man, completely night and day. Oh man, is that the, so? Same that, thing for Admech. This is just way better. What is the measuring stick for this section, though? Because this is the section that's been added. Apart from the the, the um, faction specific secondaries, these are the two sections that have been added for the for the codexes of Ninth Edition. And I'm gonna eventually at the, we're going to come to an end of the Ninth Edition codex codexes, and I'm going to have to evaluate who got the best of the new things that were added. Like who got the best of the secondaries? Who got the best of this? You know, whatever you want to call it, the dollar menu picking sections and i think the space marines is the benchmark like the space marines are the ones that all the others should be evaluated against but i don't want to be the one to, to set that in stone so let's move on people in the ch- in the chat throw throw up throw up those answers which one do you think is the baseline that all the others should be measured against jumping into the relics you want to take us away with the first one brother yeah so in my opinion a lot of these relics are fairly mediocre as a just a starter here i don't think you're gonna be taking too is, many of these like i said the strassers is that because it's in this book or because they're bad uh first because the strats are so good that you want CP. Yep. And second, that you're going to probably run two different detachments because you don't want to load up on troops. Single battalion, I think, is going to be relatively rare because it's a lot of points in basic troops and they're not as good as the some of the other data sheets. And then third is that most of these relics are actually fairly niche or they're like melee weapons, and I don't need to be buffing up my call in melee, to be perfectly honest. Correct. So give a little preview there. Actos Fortress is the first one. It's for a shield crest model only. So this is if you have that particular keyword. And at the start of the fight phase, you select one enemy unit within three inches of the bear, and they fight last. 
it's a solid relic. Yeah. If you want fight last, this is this is the best way to get it in this book. Yeah, I actually don't mind that at all. Um, nope, it's, uh, it's solid. Yeah. I think it's unnecessary, but it's solid. Well, I think it's unnecessary due to the data sheets that you've got. Most of your data sheets use counter assaults. Um, well, your melee data sheets, so your berserkers yeah. use for counter assaults. They're not they're not aggressive. And so usually most of the time they're being slung out into your opponents and, and then you're sending out a shield crest unit to you know, try the, and dodge an interrupt because you're only going to be fighting usually on one or two fronts, yeah? Yeah, but on top of that is if you say you have a hearth guard unit and the berserks and they charge two different units and you're worried about an interrupt, you activate the hearth guard first, and then your opponent interrupts, and, and you the, berserkers just, the berserkers just fight on death. Fight so on death anyway. It's yeah, it's, it seems a little superfluous, but it's, they'd probably be happy you had it. Pro- there's probably a build out there where that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's cool on the Einir Champion. Actually, yeah, actually, wow, yeah, it is, isn't it? Damn, Although yep. there are other good relics to get he, That guy is the one who is dripping in good options for relics, I think. Um, Ancestral Crest. Uh, once per battle, if the bearer is selected to use an epic deed stratagem, that stratagem costs zero command points. Once per battle, after making a hit roll, wound roll, or saving throw for the bearer, you can change the result of that roll to a six. For any rules purposes, this counts as an unmodified six. If an enemy unit destroys uh, the bearer, roll a d6 at the end of the phase. On two to five, then enemy unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. On a six, they suffer three mortal wounds. That's a lot of dot points. There's a lot of words there. It doesn't. I don't feel like it amounts to a lot. If they had a way to get two relics on the model, then it would actually be good because you take it with the hammer, uh, the relic yep. hammer. But yep. uh, otherwise, it's not particularly good. Epic deeds, for how epic its name is, is the worst category <laughs> of strats is. in this book. It it's is. the worst category of strats across almost every single every. codex. Epic deeds needs a is a buff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like epic deeds in general, just not very good strats. 100%. So reducing that is pretty irrelevant. Yeah, see, this seems this seems quite forgettable. There might be a build out there somewhere, but yeah, not, Once again, not right now. Like the the Ironier champion is the one who can make the most use out of this, in my opinion. Well, this one is right up his alley. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so this is the Mass Hammer. Like I was saying, if you could take two relics, these would those would be the two. So it goes on a guy with a Mass Hammer. Um, double strength, AP3, flat 3 plus D3 damage. But if you roll a uh, 6 to hit, it's flat 3 plus D3 mortals instead. Oof. Which, Oof. back, would get really <laughs> quite scary. When and you like, just, yeah. And, in Greater Thurian League, you have Uthar nearby who can turn a die into a six, including a hit roll. So you could just be like, "Yup, you rolled a natural six, and then bam, this one becomes a six. Disgusting. Like it would, it would be disgusting. Like you're taking yeah, eight cool. mortal wounds. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Really good. And that that's it's one you want to keep an eye on. If you can find a meta where that makes sense, um, like I mean, demons become a big problem. If demons become the foil for for um for Votan, maybe an Aya champion with the Exactor makes a bit more sense. But once again, like. No, I, I like you said. You can get like six splash. One CP gets you like six splash models in this book, very reliably. And so I need to be uh, th- that one CP for a war gear piece needs to be better than that to to warrant an auto inclusion in my book. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the first knife is up next. Carl or Grimnir model only. Each time the bear fights, it can make one additional attack using the close combat weapon profile in the core rulebook. If that attack scores a hit, the target suffers D3 mortal wounds plus one additional mortal wound for each judgment token the target unit has uh, in the attack sequence. And that sounds like it could be pretty spicy if it's worth the squeeze to make it happen. I mean, once again, are you getting your call and your Grimnir in combat? Mm, Probably not. It's so a that's, pretty that's a downside. It's a pretty great way of getting around stuff like, well. A Baden, who you know zeroes the first instance of damage, or say a freaking one of those super annoying, just will not fail a two plus in Vuln save Archon that's in your lines with the Jin Blade, and just walk up and be like, "Did I hit you? 
dink, you're dead, because I got three judgment tokens, so it's, you know, D3 plus one. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, D3 plus three. So, yeah, I can see that. I actually don't hate that, but like you said, are we splashing for it? Are we doing it? Probably not. Probably not. Next one. We got the Flare. This is uh, an upgrade for a Forge Rot Plasma Axe, uh, which can go on something like the Call. It's plus two strength, AP three, two damage, and yeah, three additional attacks with the weapon. It's meh. How many attacks do they come with base on the Call? Is it four? Uh, I believe basic call is four. Yeah, so you go up to seven attacks at, what, strength six, minus three, two. Look, I don't hate it for, like, it, essentially this is your um, Teeth of Terror equivalent, yeah? And if you Pretty much. If you put it up exactly. against Teeth of Terror, it looks pretty good. Like, uh, it's got the right AP, the right strength to get over the the, the Toughness 5 breakpoints. Um, I don't hate it, but once again, can you only put that on a Carl, or can the Plasma Axe go on the Champion? Uh, I don't believe that the Champion has a Dark Star Axe or okay. the Hammer. Yeah, fair. Uh, next up is Wayfarer's Grace. Uh, at the start of, the, of each of your command phases, the bear regains one lost wound. Uh, the first time the bear is destroyed, you can choose to use this relic instead of using any other rules that are triggered when this model is destroyed. If you do so, roll 1d6 at the end of the phase. On a 3+, set the model back up on the battlefield as close as possible where they were destroyed uh, without being in engagement range with d3 wounds remaining. Is there... Uh, I mean, you're never going to get mileage out of the regain one loss wound, usually. Usually, if somebody can get to your character, they are killing your character, or they're doing something else, right? So that doesn't almost doesn't exist. And who care, who, who, do, who do you want to get two uses out of? Like, is, do you put on a champion and try and use them twice? Like, charge them in, get them killed, res Yeah, them? once again, it's, it's does this go on a champion? Yeah. There's a lot of things that could go on the champion if you decide to take the champion. Um, so, tough choices there. Yeah, but this is a consideration. It is. Uh, the the gray crest is for shield crest model only. If the bear is a character, then each time an attack is made against the bear, minus one to hit. If the bear is not a character, uh, each time an attack is made against the bear's unit. It, if the attacker is more than twelve away, then minus one. So it's it's a relic that you could possibly put on a large hearth guard squad if you wanted to. Uh, though they have a a different one that I think is quite a bit better. I I do I do like that because we are, we've got to point out the ones you can put on a squad. That one can go on a squad if you were to have that on one. I think it does make a lot of sense. Like it all of a sudden turns really feels like a Lucius um, twenty man Ranger brick, yeah? Or was it? Um, uh, I mean, it was way better than a Lucius Ranger brick. I'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, yeah, sure. Uh, Lucius right. Ranger bricks haven't been good for like a year and a half. Well, when they were when they you know back in the day they were they were everywhere. They were really good. This this would be. I mean, it's plus one save against damage one. And it's nerfed. There was tons of damage one back then. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the meta was not good. You gotta, you gotta use your imagination. Devil Gaunts existed. Never mind. Uh, Grudge's End model equipped with a bolt weapon only. When you give a model this relic, uh, one bolt weapon the model is equipped with uh, is considered to be a relic for all rule purposes. Uh, increase the damage characteristic by one. Increase the AP. Increase the AP by one. And each time an attack is made with this weapon that hits. A unit with one or more judgment tokens on it, it automatically wounds the target. Uh, never heard of you. See you later, mate. Do it. Yeah, the bull weapon part is like, oh, okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> on a beam, on a any, on a mag- magna, or on anything else, it would have been cool. On a bolt weapon, not. Nah, no way. Uh, what's up next? Warp strike. This is one of the ones you might possibly take. Um, it's for a teleportation model only. So call with the teleportation uh, crest, or the hearthguard sergeant can take this. If you take the teleportation crest. Each time the bear makes a normal move, advances, falls back, or makes a charge move. Until that move is finished, it can um, move horizontally through models and terrain features. So it's only for the bear himself, but there are some shenanigans you can do to make a charge and then make sure that you end in coherency. Um, once per battle, when you use the site-to-site uh, transport, t- or transport stratagem, this is the, the teleport one, you select the bear's unit for the stratagem, it causes zero CP. 
it, that is awesome. That's yes. very, very good. Yeah, really and then enemy on top of that, enemy units that are set up on the battlefield as reinforcements cannot be set up within 12 of the model's unit. Holy so, crap. Amazing against demons, wow. for instance. Yeah. Um, and then just good for getting behind enemy lines, and then they're like, okay, I'm going to respond with my own reserve threat, and you're like more than 12 away. Mm-hmm. Right. So this 100% can go on your Hearthguard sergeant, yeah? Yep. If wow. you take the teleportation crest, so you can't yep. take the shield crest. Yep. So, I mean... For what you for the for the purpose that we've described last week, uh, especially in the part two, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think this is the one that you do take. I would take it, hundred percent. For what you've what you've told me about that unit and how you intend to use it, this isn't this is auto include, man. Uh, people, other other books just get one of these dot points. <laughs> this book gets three dot points for this one CP. The one like uh, so, what Space Marines have the same thing, but but it's just the last one. Enemies can't be set within twelve. Um, I believe some book has it, <laughs> but then you get a CP refund. So essentially, as long as you use that stratagem, this thing pays for itself. Yeah, and you are going to threaten to use that strat because it's so good. Uh, amazing. I don't know how much the flip belt bit is going to matter. It, it might be cool in niche situations with like cart containers or something that you really need to make a charge move off of, and you can still end in coherency. Yeah, that's oh, that's actually a good point. Um, Negotiating some of those pitfalls is actually pretty good. All right, uh, the Hearth Fist is up next. Model quit with a mass gauntlet or concussion gauntlet. Concussion, concussion gauntlet only. Wow, I struggled there. Um, it has merely, of course, it is strength plus four, minus three, three damage each time an attack is made by the pairer is allocated to a model in a unit that has one or more judgment tokens. That attack has a damage characteristic of four. So. Yeah, strength eight usually minus three, damage three, going to damage four. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's something that the champion could take. <laughs> He's just a boss. He's just a boss. Uh, yeah. Next one is, uh, in my opinion, one of the other relics you will consider taking often if you take the Psyker, the Grimnir, the Murmuring Stave. He gets to know an additional power, so yep. now you know three powers plus Smite. Yep. And on top of that, in your psychic phase, if the bear attempts a psychic action, you can then still attempt to manifest one psychic power. So you can do the, like, say, for instance, Warp Ritual, and then gain a CP. That's that really is very good. good. Holy crap, that, that is, is really good. Yeah, yeah, fair. I mean, take that. That that should be your starting. Point. I am. If you're gonna, I yeah, am. if you're gonna start with one on your list, there it is, right there. That's amazing. Uh, all right, the trikite, the thrikite plate. Uh, it's on an exo arm models only. Which are those? The exo armor is uh, the the iron here champion. Okay, and add one to uh, armor saving throws made by the bear, and add one to the wounds characteristic. I'm not too interested in trying to make that guy that He's already durable. He's exactly right. He's already about as durable as I want him to be. Doubling down on durability, nah, just want him to be as killy as possible. So probably not that. And you got uh, Volume's master artifice. It replaces a graviton rifle only. So this is on the broke ear. Iron Master or Forge Master, and it basically turns his weapon into beam, which is why that qualifier exists in the uh, the Forge Master. But is, it a, but is it a pistol? It's range 18. I want it to be a pistol so much so I can rag on it. But uh, <laughs> this actually might be quite good. Uh, it, it's really unnecessary in my opinion. Yeah, what's the what's the profile? So wait, it's a range it's 18. It's the same exact profile as the Graviton Rifle, but it's beam. It gains beam. So it shoots three beams, though. So you beam three times? It shoots three shots at a target, and then whatever when you draw line of sight to that target, if it hits things that are eligible targets, it then does the beam effect, which yeah. you will to move for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't hate it, but um, yeah. I, I don't think beam is going to be a serious part of this book, frankly, against 
equal skill opponents are better. Fair, fair, fair. Well, yeah, exactly right. And I think it's wholly like, oh, unnecessary. Oh, you lined up all your units? You're dead. Well, exactly right. You're probably right. dead anyway. Well, I don't need the beam keyword. The just, best... The best thing you're going to be out doing is hitting one other thing, right? Against competent opponents. They're just like, well, you took all beams. Okay, everybody's literally lined up horizontally from you. We're not going to line up in a straight line in front of you. Everything is freaking across from you, like Dawn of War as possible. Um, Yama's Shield... Uh, Iron here champion model only. Once per battle round, when a saving throw is failed to the bearer, the bearer can use this relic. When it does so, the damage characteristic of the attack is changed to zero. Each time the bearer uses this relic, roll a d6. On a 5+, plus, if every model in your army has a Votan keyword, it's from the same league. That unit that made the attack against this unit, I, I'm assuming, uh, gains one judgment token. Uh, nah. Yeah? No. Nah. Completely unnecessary. No. Nah. There's it's, just no reason for it. To me, it's only the stave. Uh, is onto my list, and then I t the teleport one. If I'm taking a big unit of half guard. Apart from that, I th don't think anything else touches the size. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's just so many good one CP strats that I'd rather save the CP for that instead of a I'd lot of these. It's just so many melee relics. Yeah, I'd love to know what we would have said about this relic section in in the Nachman packet rather than the Nephilim packet when you could have one or two of these, like when you had one of these for free. Like what? I mean, the free yeah, one I think obviously. They get extra consideration, especially if you're, if you're taking the Iron Year Champion. That's when you would actually consider a lot of this stuff. But for the most part, I'm not buffing up my Call or my Grimnir, besides like, the Murmuring State. Like when you when you're taking when you're starting your your purchasing of relics at eight or nine CP, which what where this book could have been, you know, free patrol, then paying for another patrol, or you know, etc. Um, hundred percent, you would just take a completely decked out champion, right? I totally would. Yeah, which one? Which okay, which. Which is your top-rated champion uh, relic? So if I was going to take one, it's actually the Emir-specific one, uh, Guild Connectors, which is plus one damage. So you take the Dark Star Axe, now it's two damage, ignoring Feel No Pains and yeah. Wounds, yeah. wounds Caps. Beautiful. And then he, he's he's a beast against stuff like Phoenix Lords and Abaddon. Terrifying Catan as well. All right, moving on to the Warlord Traits, the first of which is Ancestral Bearing. Each time this Warlord uses an ability in your command phase... Uh, that specifies a range, add 3 to that range to a maximum of 12, and add 3 to the range of the Warlord's aura abilities to a maximum of 12. Pretty forgettable, but maybe I'm wrong. It's Uthar's Warlord trait alongside Experienced Eye, and that's probably the only time you'll see it. Is if fair. you take Uthar. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Uh, what's next? Warrior Lord, each time the Warlord makes a melee attack, you reroll the wounds, and each time a melee attack by this Warlord is allocated to an enemy model, that enemy model cannot use rules to ignore the wounds it loses. This is the other way to ignore phase cap damage. It's really powerful. They've got two. They've got another source of it. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're going to be trying to make a Carl that's going to go in solo Abbey. So I don't know if this is going to make a difference. But no, but that's where cool. you take the Greater Thurian League one. You give them the the hammer upgrade, and you give them this Warlord trait, and oh. then you start dropping mortals, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yes, exactly right. You hunt the mortals instead, and that actually does get pretty sick. So maybe there is maybe there is a spicy Carl build out there, but I don't think it. I don't think I need it right now. I think the army can take a couple of nerfs to the shooting phase before it even bothers considering it if it needs to double down on the on the fight phase. Um, a long list. Each time this warlord makes a ranged attack, the target does not receive the benefits of light cover. Um, each time you select a target for this warlord's range of weapons, you can ignore the lookout sir rule for anything that any unit has one or more judgment tokens. At the end of each phase, if any units uh, with the judgment tokens were destroyed during that phase a by a league unit from your army, select one enemy unit that is visible to this warlord, they gain a judgment token. So at the end of each phase, huh? And it's when you kill a unit, you get to put another judgment token down. Yeah, and doesn't involve this character. It's just that, a friendly what elite the, unit. You just, there's way too many 
ways to place judgment tokens. It's kind of stupid. Like you can, yeah, you, you, might don't well just... even, you don't even take this one, right? No. It's but real. if I was taking a second forge, um, you take one forge master and you take one iron master. You give this to the iron master, and that's where it would see play. But otherwise, it's honestly unnecessary. I was ready for this to be hot garbage. The first two dot points, I'm like, no, well, it's, I, I don't, I, I, it's great. This oh, is a, this yeah. is great. You could almost delete the first two dot points, and this is still great. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, that's it's so stupid that 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 one dot point just is essentially just having another Carl in your army. Like, well, they wanted to fulfill the need. It's a long list. The list actually has to be long. And so is the Wall of Trade. Exactly right. We have to have three yeah. dot points, minimum. They underlined that twice when they write in the book. They're like, has to be. All right, mm-hmm. what's next? Guild affiliate. In your command phase, you select one friendly league core unit within six of the Warlord. Till the end of the uh, till the start of your next command phase, they gain obsec. And if they have it, they count as an additional model. So this is... Okay. You can make your obsec, your obsec bikes double obsec. And then it's really easy to contest your opponent's objectives. That's where I would see this being used. Everyone, everyone at home who has their heart. has their does Votan have everything bingo card can just tick off mm-hmm. uh, Rights of War from their bingo card. In fact, better Rights of War because if you have upset, you get double upset. So everyone can tick that one off their bingo card. We'll Rights of War has that, but this isn't. This is a command phase ability instead of an aura, so it's not as good in my opinion. That's true. That, well, that it's true. it's good in different ways. It's good for sending a unit like Hearthguard teleporting across the board. Trying to make a charge, that's good there. Whereas controlling the middle of the table with multiple units, it's less good there. And it's also good for flipping back your objectives. Like someone's tried to disrupt, you know, when mm-hmm. you don't have an obsec unit, flip a obsec, take it back, get your primary. Um, yep. Unrelenting Toil is up next. This is an aura. While a friendly legion, league core unit that is performing an action within six of this warlord, that unit can shoot without that action failing. So while a friendly. Um, you can shoot without the action failing. Uh, I think this is quite good. You're only gonna. I, I see people min maxing their infantry and their troop slots. So you you may only have a list with a handful of action doers, banner raisers. So this isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I, it's, it's solid. I don't think you're gonna need it too often because the broke your Iron Master advances and does actions. Yep. Uh, but yeah, cool. Then we have Grim Demeanor. It's an also an aura. While a friendly lead core unit within six of the Warlord, that unit can ignore any or all modifiers to its leadership characteristic. Yep. And each time a combat attrition test is taken, you ignore any or all modifiers. So if you're running the big bricks of uh, the Hearthkin, yeah, you'll take this. You will take this. Agreed. All right, that is all six, yeah? Which make the cut? Which even warrant consideration? Master Armor. Pretty much, right? <laughs> Which isn't on here. <laughs> it's not even on here. It's the one that you always take. These other ones are cool, like Guild Affiliate's pretty cool, especially in a heavy bike build. I like it quite a bit. Um, but honestly, you probably just save the CP and use it on strats. Considering there's a lot of the upgrades in this book. Like you said, it's a very much a Nephilim thing where you have to just it's just the bare essentials now. You have to be savage with your with your selections. But just looking down this, we have we have obsec on demand, we have actions and still do stuff. In an aura, it's funny that it's funny that that one's the aura, whereas the obsec is the on command one, which usually is the other way around. Uh, we have a stupid who cares leadership one, so that's ticking all the boxes there. And then yeah, a long list would would be like your second and third, second or third wall of trade if uh, if it wasn't nephilim and if the freaking um, the forge master did not exist, because obviously you just take that one because it's insane. All right, uh, we're up to the sky and Rod discipline. This is their um, army specific. Psychic, 
tree, which I was very surprised that they got. I, you know, dwarves in the history of all, you know, fantasy mythology, sci-fi mythologies have a skewed psychic and, you know, magic most of the time. That's mostly part of their canon. So I thought they'd have more like a chaplain, more like litanies, because that's what they usually... In, in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, they had the rune discipline, right? It wasn't necessarily magic, but it was like a type of dwarven special thing, which... Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so I thought they would this have... This is their, basically the equivalent, ex- in my there opinion. You go. Um, so the first one here is Interface Echo. Uh, Interface Echo is a blessing with a warp charge value of 5. If manifested, you gain 1 command point. The limiting of gaming or refunding 1 CP battle round per battle round does not apply to command points gained by this psychic power. It's so Piss good. off. Piss off, Votan, as if you get to do it when no one else does. Everyone is limited to their once per... Even the Tallyman, who gets to try and get it once per battle round, only gets 1 per battle round. Uh, and yeah, they're just like, ah, nah, we're better than everybody else. We get it in addition. Piss off. Unhappy. Without the murmuring stave, you might even just not have taken a psyker in general. Yeah. But because you can take that, do an action, do a psychic action, and then cast a CP, that is value town, in my opinion. Like, this is just so good. It's warp charge five. It's so easy to get off as well. But yeah, or, yep. that's that's already auto-take. The first one, auto-take. Cool. Let's see where we yep. go from here. Fortify. I also believe this is one of the ones that you will take. Um, it is a blessing power as well. Goes off on a six. If uh, manifested, select one friendly core unit or character within twelve of the psyker. And until the start of your next psychic phase, you get plus one toughness. So big brick of Hearthguard. Yep. Plus one toughness, and you get a six up female pain on top of it. That's just solid, dude. And you, what's the, what's the league that gives you plus one toughness already? So you can just have toughness six troops. Yeah, Ronnie. Like. Lol, your Tyranid Warriors are ah, good for you. Good for you, Toughness 5. That's nice. We're Toughness 6, 12 points a model. Like, you know? T7, Hearth, T7 Hearthguard. Yeah, dude. T7 uh, Berserkers. It's crazy. Although you're wasting the 6, I feel no pain. But still, it's crazy. Uh, all right. Ancestral Wrath is up next. Witchfire is a warp charge value of 6. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 of invisible to the psycho and roll three dice. If the enemy unit contains 11 or more models, uh, roll six dice instead. In either case, add one to each result. If that enemy unit has one or more judgment tokens on it, for each roll of a four plus, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Uh, so it doesn't matter if they go three judgment tokens or one judgment token, it's still plus one. So six dice on a three plus to do models or three dice on a four plus, it's pretty, pretty bad, really. A smite's probably better. All right, well, then we got another Witchfire spell, Grudge Pyre. If uh, it manifested on a four, so very easy. If manifested, select one enemy unit that is not a vehicle, monster, or character. Within 18, invisible to the Psyker, and you roll 2d6. Add the number of judgment tokens that are next to the unit to the result. And if the result is greater than the unmodified leadership characteristic of that unit, one model selected by your opponent in that unit is destroyed. This is trash hottest of garbage i love it i love they can write bad votan rules they can i'm gonna in fact read the next one that's so bad i'm gonna read the next one because it's actually good all right no vortex uh this is basically null zone uh but it's not aura so uh has a warp charge value of eight if manifested you select one enemy unit within 12 of the psyker and until the start of your next psychic phase they don't get to use invuln saves just cool utility i think you take this interface echo and fortify as the three that you know if you take the relic yeah, I agree. If you know the, if you know three, that makes that those three make sense. But here's the last one: crushing contempt. It's a malediction with a warp charge value of six. If manifested, select one enemy within eighteen of this psyker and roll three d six. If the result is greater or equal to the leadership characteristic of the enemy unit until the start of your next psyche phase, the unit can't cannot perform actions. If they're performing one, it fails. If the result is greater than the leadership characteristic of the enemy unit until the start of your next psychic phase, each model in that unit makes so each 
time model that you need to make an attack, subtract one from the attacks hit roll. So you have to beat. So it's a if you didn't have the, if you didn't have to beat their leadership, if they just you know had to get it off on a six and then they cop those things, it could be good. But the fact is, you have to beat the leadership to get any of those triggers. Um, means that this is pretty forgettable as well. I think we're absolutely right. It's number one, number two, and number five. Just write them down. Like it's actually kind of crazy how bad the other three are in comparison to those three. Yeah, they don't have amazing witchfire spells, which they don't. I mean, if they did, the mortal wound output of this army would be even more insane. So it's I mean, fine that they don't. Considering they have like pretty much rend four, ignoring invuln guns here, there, and everywhere, they might as well be like mortal wounds to a lot of armies. Like legitimately, yep. they might as well be mortal wounds to a lot of armies. Yeah, so I mean, if you added matter. a crazy psychic tree on top of it, it would have got it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give him doom and jinx. Why not? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Well, they got no vortex. I uh, do. All right. Um, next up is their secondaries. Now, a lot of people have been saying this is the thing. Like people out there saying, "Oh, yeah, this is the thing that'll hold them back because they don't have a a bunch of auto fifteening secondaries." Praise be, by the way. But I don't think these are particularly awful. But let's let's unpack them. First one is in No Mercy, No Respite. It's called The Ancestors Are Watching. At the end of each phase, score two victory points if one or more enemy units that had one or more judgment tokens was destroyed by a Votan unit from your army during the phase. Score one additional victory point for each one of those enemy units that had three or more judgment tokens on it when it was destroyed. At the end of the battle, reduce the number of victory points you have earned from the secondary objective by one to a minimum of zero for each enemy unit that is on the battlefield or embarked in a transport that has one or more judgment tokens. This is amazing. You're going to take this one. You are going to take this I one. I really don't care it's, what it's your opponent has. You're correct. going to take it. You're going to put judgment tokens on the stuff you want to kill. You're going to kill it, and you're going to get points. Tell me tell me how much Tau would love to have a, a secondary that rewards them for shooting things that have marker lights on them. I mean, they have one that is terrible. They do. Clean victory, and it's <laughs> not a clean victory. How often do you think this is going to come up for the three, for the extra, extra rider? Um... Probably not like tremendously. Honestly, I think you'll like from a lot of units. At least for for Greater Thurian League, it will come up often. For the other ones, you're probably going to be satisfied with having two on there and be they're dead anyway. You it's, don't need three. When are you shooting something that doesn't have a judgment token? They're so easy to come by at whenever you want. Like yeah, they're they're too easy. But this is yeah, you could just max. You could just max his turn but one. This is easy, yeah? and it's not like if you're not going to kill stuff like your opponent's characters, you don't need to put judgment tokens on them so Correct. that you lose points at the end of the game. Just Correct. don't do that. Exactly right. Yeah, just put the stuff on the on the stuff you're guaranteed to kill every turn, like whatever they've got on objectives. You're gonna you're gonna go for that every turn. So just judgment them. Uh, yeah, or the big damage dealing units they have yeah. to use, and if they don't. don't use them because they have judgment tokens, awesome. <laughs> like if if Abby is still on the table and he has a judgment token on him at the end of the game, that's hundred percent on you. Like legitimately, that is just on you. Although, are there ways for me to force judgment tokens to go on stuff? Like if I do actions or hold objectives with only characters, do you have to put a judgment token on them? Um, I believe it's May, but let's let's look real quick. Because that could be um, fun. That, I would 100% yeah, yeah. do that. At the end of each of your opponent's turns, you can select okay. one enemy unit within range of objectives. So that's... Uh, Each time an enemy unit successfully completes an action or a psychic action, it does gain one judgment token, though. That one is not May. Oh, can. so you put off your banners with your characters and then hide them to try and deny points. That's There's going to be a little bit of a fun little metagame there. I don't think it's going to scratch the sides, but... Yeah, when... Don't tell Nick for Thursday. <laughs> Will won't do. All right, what's the next? Just kidding. What's the next secondary? Uh, it's terrible. It's a big paragraph about killing your opponent's most expensive units, and it's really hard to score. 
Well, but it's in Purge of the Enemy, so, you know, surely it's got to be good, right? Surely. That's you, if you want to read this one, you read this one. Fine, I'll do, the other two. I'll do it. For the sake of completion. It's called Grudge Match. If you select this objective, then before the battle, you must identify five units from your opponent's army, one of which must be the enemy's warlord, and make a note of them on your army roster. If your opponent's army has five or fewer units, then you must instead identify all these units. At the end of the battle, for each of the identified units that was destroyed by a Votan unit from your army score one victory point. If that unit has a points cost of 150 or more, you score one additional victory point. And or if that unit was destroyed by a melee attack, you score one additional victory point for a maximum of three per unit. A unit's points value includes points of all weapons and other war gear and upgrades that it has. At the end of the battle, reduce the number of victory points you have earned from this secondary by one to a minimum of zero for each of the identified units that has not been destroyed. If a unit splits into several small units or all of these separate units must be destroyed at the end by the end of the battle, uh, or they count as for the unit to be counted as destroyed. So you can't even like pick a pack of Warglaze or Helverins. Like um, if you if this didn't have the rider of you losing units, this would be a okay third pick to you know playing yeah. against certain enemies. But the fact is, you can lose uh, points by them just playing keep away, especially if they like combat squad or anything like that. Just keeping away with half their Terminator unit, it's fine. Uh, so yeah, that is, you're absolutely right. That is terrible, and I'm sorry that I read it's, it out. It's, the third point <laughs> being a melee attack means yes. that is rarely going to come up. So you're exactly at most right. getting two, and there's a lot of armies that have expensive units that are not 150 points. So you get one point each, and it's yeah. like, oh, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. So they would have to have all of those units have to be over 150 for that even to be like barely takeable so they have to have five units that are over 150 points there's some might be like harlequins that that just doesn't exist like yep. does not exist so th there's so many places anyway we're talking about the worst one let's move on shadow operations prospects of wealth this is their action secondary um it can be done by votan infantry or biker units and one of those infantry or biker units uh, from your army can start to perform the action at the end of your movement phase if it's within range of an objective marker that is not within your deployment zone and has not already been prospected by your army. A unit cannot start this action while there are any enemy units, excluding aircraft, in range of the same objective marker. This is what signifies that this was written before Nephilim. Because yes. they got rid of this qualifier from almost every action secondary. This denotes when it was written, which means it was rough. It was probably written around the same time as the other broken codexes this year. So that is where my hypothesis comes in. Action is completed at the end of the turn. If completed, the objective marker is said to have been prospected by your army, and you must roll 1d6, adding one to a result if they have the scanner keyword, and on a 6 plus, the objective marker is a rich deposits marker. Each time a unit from your army completes the action, you get three victory points. At the end of the battle, if you control one or more rich deposits, so if any of them become rich deposits and you control it, you score an additional three. This is... Honestly, you're probably going to take banners more often than this. Yeah. Because it has that qualifier where if your opponent's on it, you can't start the action, which Agreed. was a huge deal for action secondaries pre-Nephilim. And I also feel like you defend banners quite well with this army. Like, it's very easy to just be like, well, here's a land fortress that you must go around or charge and get overwatched by to even get on this objective. So, cool, do that, and then I'll eat you with, with Zerkers if you try even. Like, it's... I feel like this is a good banners army, and trying to go out of its way to do something else probably isn't worth it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, if banners were to go away for some reason, I don't hate this. So there is that. Yeah. Um, and I'll do the last one too, since you did the first two. Oh, nice. Look at, the, look at the generosity here. I love it. Battlefield Supremacy Lay Claim. This is an endgame objective. 
Basically, if you kill your opponent, you're going to get a lot of points on this. If you select the secondary objective, then during the resolve pre-battle ability step, your opponent sets up three objective markers anywhere on the ground level of the battlefield that is not within six of their own deployment zone or any battlefield edge, so three somewhere in the center of the board, not within nine of each other. Um, they can't be set up on unstable terrain. Um, if it's impossible to set them up, they're not. Each represents precious resources, but does not count as an objective marker for any other purpose. And at the end of the battle, you score five points uh, for each one you control. So if you table your opponent or you completely dominate the middle of the table at the end of the game, or if you have bottom of the turn, this is pretty, pretty solid secondary. Yeah, not within, not they within... suck at engage and bind enemy lines, so this is the battlefield supremacy you would take. 120%. Like uh, the only solace I was gonna have coming until until I read this and realized this is just a this is just fine. I mean, because you're only you're happy to hold two of these, and the fact is, it have to be six inches outside your opponent's deployment zone. That is just very gettable. That is very gettable. That is not that far outside yours. That's 18 inches plus the influence zone of the objective. So that's what that's 15 inches outside your deployment zone. These objectives all must reside in a lot of when yeah, you're 24 more than inches six away. from the edge. Which yeah, is a big deal because you can't just put them all the way on the flanks. Very gettable, very gettable. And yeah, it's not fact, bad. And yeah, just but, adopt Tom Ogden's philosophy of your opponent is going to die, and I get points. <laughs> exactly, and right. you will score this one. <laughs> exactly right. Because once again, I so I the reason I had a bit of solace until I got to this one was that okay, cool. So Votan cannot play a battlefield um, supremacy secondary until I got to this one. There wasn't one they could play. You're, you're not going to get a good behind enemy line score. You're not going to get a good engagement or front score. That it's just not going to happen. So I was like, cool. One of the best ones that other people have for a lot of other armies, it's going to be bad for Votan. This should be great. And then they had this. And I realized they have three faction secondaries they can pick. Literally delete Grudge Match from your mind. Forget I ever... I, I, I'm sorry I read it out. Well, well, no. If you're going to table your opponent anyway, you might as well take it because it's going to be funny. Grudge Match? Yeah, well, yeah. If you're going to table them in two turns anyway, it's going to be <laughs> hilarious. But they've got three amazing secondaries in three different categories, and it's frustrating. I mean, none of them are auto-15ing ridiculousness like we've seen some other books but they're all very doable they're all very takeable i mean and you compare these to what you know tyranids have got and you're just you're so happy like you know tyranids have the, are the best army with the worst secondary game and you're like well i just i play primary just fine with my votan and my secondary game is better than tyranids and they're the best army in the game so yikes um what are your thoughts there brother anything else your secondary game isn't that bad they have banners and the psychic action and exactly it's picking right. the third one. Tyranids don't have that bad secondaries. That's that's a misnomer. It, they well, they don't you know have, who bad bad secondaries? Space Marines because <laughs> they can't score anything. Shush. Army is just bad. Death on the wind. Love it. Love to hear. Love to see it. Dark Angels is separate. Yes, it is. We, we've but got they're a, still Space Marines. We got a great time. All right, we're up to the data sheet abilities, guys. Uh, page eighty six for anybody following at home who was not caught up just yet. Uh, hunter weapons are listed here. There's literally nothing to say there apart from they made their own special spicy thing that no other rules interact with for some reason, and I have no idea why. I don't know well, why they can move and shoot and ignore the heavy penalty, but also they can't advance and do it. Yeah, it, it seems so weird. They just need to make up their own one for this. But anyway, uh, time for you to tell us about judgment tokens. Give us the full breakdown of how they work, mm -hmm. how you get them. Jump in. Yep, it's called Eye of the Ancestors. If every uh, unit from your army has the Votan keyword, which obviously it's going to, uh, each time an enemy unit destroys a Votan unit from your army, they gain a judgment token. And each time an enemy unit successfully completes an action or a psychic action, they get a judgment token. At the end of each of your opponent's turns, you select one enemy. You can select one enemy unit within range of an objective marker that your opponent controls, and they get a judgment token. 
So it's super easy. Not to mention the call abilities, the world of trades, the, the stratagems. You can get judgment tokens pretty easily. Not to mention if you're running greater three in league, it's automatic that you're going to get three on whatever you want. Mm-hmm. If a unit with any judgment tokens is removed from the battlefields uh, because it embarked on a transport or enters strategic reserves, make note of how many judgment tokens it had, and it keeps that number. If a unit with one or more judgment tokens splits into two or more units, each of those units gains the equal number uh, as the original unit. So can't you can't do shenanigans to try and get away from these judgment tokens. So you have been judged. <laughs> um, and then each time a Votan model from your army, excluding the cog ones, uh, make an attack against a unit that has one or more judgment tokens, you get this chart. And if you have one judgment token, it means unmodified hits of six, auto wounds, shooting in combat, Number two is the auto-wound on fives. Number three, if you have three judgment tokens, auto-wound on fours. So that's just absurd. Um, it's totally dumb. If an attack automatically wounds the target... as not Hold on, hold on. That's not the best part. All okay. that is good. All that's strong. The best part is, if the attack automatically wounds the target as a result of this ability, then for the purposes of any other rules that are triggered on a particular wound roll... The attack is considered to have been made with an unmodified six. And guess what? We read a ton of abilities that mm-hmm. interact with unmodified sixes, and we're about to read another one. Another one. It, this is this the most powerful mono faction bonus we have ever seen? Like, is this, is this better than Power from Pain on upon release? Like original Power from Pain when it first came out, is this better? I think it is. Yes. The entire army is built to make this absolutely stupid levels of powerful. Um, every every at every turn at every facet the synergy built upon judgment tokens is just getting higher and higher and higher you give out four judgment tokens a turn if you take a carl yeah and your opponent does what does what they have to do every turn to not lose you give out four judgment tokens that's it if you just took a hq choice which is you're gonna take and they just play the game that's four a turn it's so stupid you take a Thurian league and essentially you're giving out eight a turn by them just existing and doing what they need to do to not lose. Oh my god, it's so bleh, nuts. So nuts, man. Magnarail. So this is a new type of weapon <laughs> that uh, the Votan have. Um, love, each I time love. an attack is made with this weapon, and you can put one on your basic infantry, there's a rifle version, and then on the land fortress, there's a, a giant version of it. Invuln saves can't be taken. So, new big weapon that ignores invulns. And on an unmodified wound roll of six... Boom, that interacts with judgment tokens. So if you hit with a judgment token, depending on how many you have, counts as a six. Excess damage the weapon inflicts is not lost. Instead, you keep allocating it until uh, you finish all the damage or your opponent's dead. Uh, that is a very powerful rule. My lord, is it a powerful rule. Uh, mm-hmm. We So GW has been pretty close-lipped on this kind of ability in 40k. This ability is exactly how... Uh, pretty much all multi-damage weapons work in uh, Age of Sigma. So if somebody, like someone, shoots a las cannon in Age of Sigma and, and rolls a six for, and it does six damage, it kills six one-wound models or does six damage to a multi-wound model. Uh, this has pretty much only been on flails before, and now it is on your mainstay battle tanks, essentially having having splash damage. Is this going to fundamentally break people's brains? Uh, Magna Realm might not even be the best type of weapon in this book. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm not taking it in my lists, but it is good. It's a catch-all. It's good against so everything. The, the, the problem is- here is that you think about the mirror matchup and your opponent has a <laughs> the broke gear Forge Master and he's yeah. just like, oh, I took a Magna Rail. Just turn that yeah. to zero. I don't yes, care. Just zero that right off. But yeah. it, for Great Ethereum, we'll talk about... Um, 
the big, big, big Carl. Yeah. Uh, the greater Thurian like this because they get that reroll to hit a wound. And in addition, your great Carl boy, the named character, he auto makes a six for mm-hmm. you. He auto will make Uthar. a six for you. Uthar will, will literally just give you a six because he changes any dice to a six. And so you just take a hit roll with one judgment token on him, change it to a six, auto wounds as a six. Does the, It might as well be mortal wounds at that point, right? Because it, it's it's super high. This, this is what I was saying, yeah? Magnum Rails are super high rend with ignores invuln. They might as well be, you might as well be shooting mortal wounds for the impact your opponent has uh, against uh, about stopping them it's pretty much unless they make minus hit or a trans hitman it, the damage just freaking happens it's so disgusting anyway this it, it's, it keeps going steady advance is the next one this unit can ignore any or all modifiers to his move characteristic and any or modifiers to it, it modifiers to advance or charge rolls each time this unit advances do not make an advance roll instead at the end of the phase add sh- until the end of the phase sorry add three to the move characteristic of models in the unit so you auto advance three if you're accelerated you auto advance six and so you get the best parts of being death guard to would you ignore one of their legion traits you just have as for being leagues of votan and here's the last one this is this is the one that's going to break everybody all yours mate so void armor and guess what everything including berserk says this each time attack is made against this unit your opponent cannot reroll the wounds and cannot reroll the damage that's not all. Second bullet point. Each time an attack is allocated to a model in this unit, the armor penetration characteristic of that attack is reduced by one to a minimum of zero. <sighs> I imagine that armor of contempt came from this. Came from and this. And this is, yeah. This is how old armor of contempt is. So this is how old this book is. This book was like, well, Leagues of Votan feels durable, right? So let's give that to power armor and see if that's enough to make them relevant. Uh, and it was, to be honest, you know, it did make a huge difference. But steady advance is the reason why I think is another, sorry, is another nail in the coffin for people saying Leagues of Votan are slow. If they are slow, they la- they don't have to deal with variance. So their slowness is way more plottable than other people's slowness and therefore not that slow because you just calculate what you need and you get there uh and then void armor can just suck a huge bag of proverbials because there's no way they should have that let alone dude that you said the berserkers have it yeah yeah the berserks what a powerful girdle where can i buy that girdle i can't get it on wish.com right i've got to go (laughs) you just see it's just your bare chest out there it's void armor it's right it's the bare chest no real this is but this is the fundamental reason why land fortresses are too much. Their toughness eight with a two plus armor save. We're reducing the incoming um, AP by one, and you can't reroll to wound or reroll to damage. So you just got to suck a bag of eggs when you're trying to kill these things, and then you can zero the first instance of damage as well when you have got the broke ass uh, forge master. It's just adding up to be such a pile of hate upon your opponent trying to uh, like actually interact with your army. Next, it goes on to explain beam weapons. We've already pretty much done this, and people know how beam weapons do, but you're able to TLDR us for it, mate? Yeah, basically, if, your opponent, if you draw line of sight to a target, anything that you draw line of sight over, as long as it's an eligible target, you can also roll a wound against it. So, for instance, if, there is, if I'm shooting at a, my opponent's tank, and there's two infantry units between it in line of sight, I hit both those infantry units and the tank. But if the two infantry units are behind obscuring, um, and I can only see like an 18-wound thing, I only hit the 18-wound thing because they're not eligible targets because of obscuring. Same with character, keyword, lookouts, or all that. So they have to be eligible targets. So it's it's hard to actually pull off, in my opinion. Theoretically, I know nothing about this army. When I roll with to hit with a beam weapon, do I roll a hit against the one target or everything the beam Just the crosses? one, just the, the target with the judgment tokens. So you can roll you have to, one hit roll, and you hit, 
and you get three hits, essentially. It's, it's, it's possible to do that, theoretically, if your opponent no, lets no. you get away with it. You just get... You only you benefit from judgment tokens on the one model that has it, or the one unit that has no, it. No, 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 I mean the beam. So you, you roll one hit roll with the beam roll, and then you automatically hit everything the beam crosses, yeah? Yeah, and then you have to actually roll to wound on the and other ones. But that's what I mean. You only roll one hit roll, but you get the effect. The beam gets the effect of hitting multiple units, which can be really good, can be really bad. Uh, I'm of the opinion the beam thing is a high, very high skill skill ceiling. It's one of the high skill ceiling things in this book because you actually have to move to do it. And most of the other things in this army, you can just be like, well, I sit in my deployment zone and I table you. Uh, and so having to actually move and do a thing for Votan means it's actually harder to use than the rest of the book. So please take beam weapons. I think they'll be better for everybody. I am. <laughs> You're taking some? Yeah, I am. Good. Um, so in your mind, you think beam's better than Magna Rail? I do, because they interact with... It's better um, in the mirror match, yeah? Better in the mirror match, and they activate some of the stratagems for doing mortal wounds. Models. See, I think people will look at the Magna Rail and just be like, well, there's value I don't have to work for, and it will be the easy fallback. But like I said, the beam weapons, when you can line it up, when you are, I guess, more pro proficient enough to make it work for you, I think is better, because you just get a double and triple down effect from being able to... You, you get rewarded for playing better, essentially, is how I see beams. Whereas Magna Rail is essentially just a hammerhead. Can I see the thing? I kill. I shoot the thing, I kill the thing. Um, yeah, if, if your yeah. opponent tries to overwhelm you early, you're going to line up the beams all over their arm and exactly just wreck them. Right. This is why so. I think beams are, uh, this is why I'm I'm really terrified of beams uh, because the people's most of people's counterplay is to flood the Votan deployment zone which inherently has to line up like multi charges you're just lining up beam shots. You're just lining up people to crisscross your army to absolute pieces. Um, anyway, moving on, we've, I've salted enough. <laughs> Let's time to talk about the data sheets because, you know, this has got to be fair and reasonable, right? Uh, first up is Uther. Now, I'm mostly going to be hand-passing this next because these are all brand-new data sheets, guys, and we don't have time to read out every single one. So I'm going to lean on Richard mostly to give us the TLDR of what each of these does. We are going to cover every single one of them, but we're not going to go through them exhaustively. So, Richard, tell us about Uther. Why is he good? Yep, he's restricted to Greater Thurian League. He has the um, the experienced Die Warlord trait and the extended aura and command phase abilities. So he does his Grim Efficiency twice. He's got extended auras. That's all cool. He's a chapter master and a captain. But uh, his unique things are he reduces all damage to one when you attack him. Oh. Everything's to one. That's the destined. And then he has Ancestral Fortune, and once per battle round, you get to turn a die to a six. So hit, wound, damage, or saving throw. And there's obviously a lot of cool combos with Magna Rail or with um, like that Relic Hammer, for instance. That He's a very cool combo. He's under 140 points, a little bit more expensive than the normal high call. But if you're taking Greater Thurian, it's well worth it, in my opinion. If, uh, and you're probably buying his Waller trade as well, yeah, if you're taking him? Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, I think I think if you're taking Greater Thurian, he's one of the biggest reasons too. Um, he's a he's a reason that I think if you're taking Greater Thurian and you're taking multiple land fortresses, one of them should have a Magna Rail, but just because I think he's just he's just that good. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, apart from that, uh, I think he's absolutely busted. I think he's really good for 140 points, and for Greater Thurian, he gives you so much double down. Uh, the basic Carl. Five wounds, four attacks, pretty forgettable actual data sheet, like actual stat line. But what do you get for the, the price point? He comes in, I think it's 100 points? Uh, no, he's 70 80 points. points. 70 points. Which one's 80? 70. Points? He's 80 if you buy the Rampart Crest, the five Binholm Aura. If you're in a mirror, you don't need to buy that, so you take the Teleportation Crest so he can go join your uh, your Hearthguard 
if they uh, if they decide to come in from reserve. So that's all cool. He's just basically a captain. I would upgrade him to the high call. Like I said, if you're running a lot of the bikes and the hearth guard unit, then he's worth it. To upgrade. Fair enough. Uh, I'm here champion. Uh, this guy is a beast in combat. He is really durable because he has exo armor, so he's a two up in a uh, two up armor. He's got a five wounds T five. He's minus one damage and he's minus one to wound. So and then you can't reroll wounds against him. He's just a bear to deal with. And like I said, there's a lot of relic combos that are very good with him. It's I want to tell you that in any other book, that would be the best data sheet in that book. His data sheet. Would be ninety points. He's ninety points, guys. Ninety points. He, dude, he gives out. What's the buff he gives out? He gives out an aura. He's a lieutenant aura. So okay, okay, okay. Ninety points for a lieutenant. Sure, conditional lieutenant. That is T five five wounds with a two plus minus one damage minus one to wound. Cannot reroll to wound. Cannot reroll the damage. Armor of contempt. With Armor a two of up. contempt. Piss. Oh, how many times have I said piss off? He's 90 points. Like, good God, that's just his defensive stats. Like, his defensive stats could almost fill up a page. Uh, and then you just get to the fact that he's a monster. He's an absolute monster in combat. It, it's, yeah, whatever. All right, moving on. What's next? Grimnir, it's the Psyker, like we talked about. He's very solid if you want to go for the um, the doing a work ritual secondary, having access to psychic secondaries, and then gain a command point. He's just a solid support piece. Um, but otherwise, and he's very cheap. He's 80 points. You don't really need the Lord Grimnir, in my opinion. Yeah, you don't need him. Um, yeah, you definitely don't need the Lord. Uh, for 80 points, for the utility, like you, you just give him the mm-hmm. ability to do to get you a CP and get you three points or four points on a Psychic Secondary. And unlo- unlocking the Psychic Secondary as options for your army, I think it's enough to put him in most lists. But Me too. I don't think he's ubiquitous. I think he's just really good to have. Uh, the Broke Gear Iron Master, we talked about the Forge Master, which is his 25-point upgrade. He's 80 points, so that's just straight-up automatic. He comes with a bunch of helpers, three ECOGs and an assistant, so it's a five-model unit. It's incredible. It can advance into actions, and then it has the healing ability. But on top of that, it has a multi-spectral visor, which means that you select one friendly core or vehicle unit. So it's not just vehicles, any core unit. So 10 Hearthguard, just pick them, plus one to hit range weapons there's no way it should do this much so it buffs you honestly i I want to rewrite my list and just put a second one in here just so that the hearth guard unit gets plus one to hit because i didn't notice that on the first read through on the second one i noticed it and then i was like oh man all right come on we gotta so this guy just silly this guy buffs your infantry and ranged output defensively doubles down on how crazy your vehicles are in addition to auto repairing them and being able to do actions with his dumb little dudes running around how many wounds has he got when it's full when it's uh with a full so he's four the assistant is two and then uh each of the e- three ecogs is one each so it's a nine wound unit oh my god <laughs> for how many points 80 oh this is just why uh okay uh, for the whole package is 80 all right, all right i'm sure and then 105 if you upgrade him to the forge master which you're going to you're going to very reasonable. Uh, that all guy right. triggers me so hard never mind all right on to the warriors 12 points per model all right surely they're going to be around about 11. as good as uh, 12 if you buy the ion buy the ion so surely they're around about as good as a necron warrior right they're about they're about that many points yeah yeah i mean <laughs> They're, they're solid they, um, they are one of the least defensive things in this book um in fact they're, I think they're one moon t4 they have four up armor um they can get a five up invuln 
But uh, they have a meta pack upgrade that can heal D3 models back. So you have to take them in 10-man squads, so they kind of have that Tau problem where the troops get pricey pretty quickly. Um, and then you could also just give them a 5-point upgrade for Ignore Cover. This is particularly good if you upgrade them for 1 point to the Ion Blasters, which is Strength 5, AP2, 2 damage. In Amir, it'll be uh, AP3 in half range. So it it's only one shot each, but like they can put out a decent amount of damage. But they're your main just obsec and backfield objective holder. I quite I quite like the um the the ions on the warriors. I'm not a huge fan of the bolters. Although I hear some people saying some pretty exciting things about what you can do with them. Uh, there but, is a strat for bolters. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, but the iron blaster is only 18 inch range with one shot. But strength five minus two do damage is everything you need on an infantry model at the moment. I think it's I think they're really good. I think they're quietly. Decent, but I think you're 100% right. They're the least offensive thing in this in this suite of data sheets. Because uh, next up, we have the Hearthguard. These guys are essentially Terminator equivalents for, for all intents and purposes. They run you 35 points a model. Um, strength of toughness 5, 2 wounds a pop, rather being 3 wounds for some other people's Terminators. But they do have the you know Armor Contempt and a 2+, plus without the rerolls and the last And minus 1 damage. And I was about to say, and minus 1 damage. Tell us about the rest of this package. Because you see this is more of a shooting unit, right? This is 100% a shooting unit. So get ready for these stats. right? They have 2 attacks in combat. That's fine. They can put a decent combat weapon on there, or uh, uh, one that gives them extra uh, one extra attack. It's totally fine. What they actually do well is shoot a lot. So first of all, I like taking the Vulcanite Disintegrator, 18-inch weapon, but in a mirror it'll go to 22 inches. Hunter, 3, so 3 shots per... If you're running a 10-man unit, that's 30 shots. Strength, 5, AP, 0. Low in half range, AP, 1. 1 damage. 6s to hit are 1 mortal. So how do you get sixes have, to how do you get sixes to hit, mate? Where do you get those from? I mean, surely there's not that many rerolls to hit in this book, yeah? Yep, you got rerolls <laughs> to hit super easily. So with thirty shots with four rerolls to hit, you're getting quite a few sixes. That's just a lot more mortals. And on top of that, they also have an entire other weapon, also eighteen inch range, hunter d six blast. So a lot of extra shots against infantry. Strength four, AP one, one damage. Um, in a mere twenty two inch range, it's AP two and at eleven. That's just a ton of volume of fire. This unit's putting out, you know, like 40, 45 plus shots. Yeah. And you just pick up everything that's not a six and re-roll it again. This is an so easy... So if you have judgment token, even against things that are tough, if you have judgment tokens with the auto-wounding, you're putting so many saves on them that they're just like, oh god. Yes, exactly right. I mean, And, and you give them the teleportation crest so they can use the strat to either come in from reserve, they can come in from reserve, or you can teleport them in the late game and just get behind your opponent's lines and be like, cool, I'll get blow up your army. Okay, so up next is Cthonian Berserkers. Like, I've been memeing out that they're called Cthonian Berserkers, so they're obviously they have some uh, Sons of Horus affiliations. But uh, they're tough. They're, so 20, 22 points a model, yeah? Let me just let me just sit down for a minute. So I pay 20 points for an, for an uh, Intercessor, yeah? For two points more, these guys are Strength and Toughness 5, with same two wounds, one more attack, so three attacks, uh, with a six-up save. But that six-up save, for some reason, that they're bare-chested girdles they're super powered girdles that you cannot, you know, reel to wound against, etc., etc. They have uh, five up, feel no pain, and auto fights on death with reroll charges. Whew, yikes! But what do they have in combat, mate? So they have an amazing combat profile. I like the heavy plasma axes, which is going to be strength five on their sweep profile, AP three, one damage, but you make two hit rolls, so six attacks coming out of each guy, each dude. Or you've got the full swing, which is uh, strain 6, AP3, 2 damage, but only uh, 3 attacks per guy. However, their upgrade is amazing. It's a 10-point upgrade for every 5 models in the unit. It's 
called the Mole Grenade Launcher. You get plus one wounds and attacks characteristic, which is just awesome. Then on top of that, you get access to the Subterranean Explosives Stratagem, which means you can do fight last and half move on an enemy unit. Very it's cool. so important that you have one of those at a, at a minimum that you have one mole launcher. If you're only taking one unit of Zerkers, chuck a mole launcher in there. It's, it's such utility for the army. Uh, they are absolutely nuts. Berserkers are everything I wish they didn't have uh, because what you did was made a Tau army that has a freaking melee unit. Like It's kind of insane that they got just got Repentia. Um, uh, yeah, it's totally insane. Repetition that, that fight on death for free. So you can you can have multiple, like we said just before, you can have multiple assaults happening in the same turn without fear or needing to have the two CP for the interrupt. You save all the CP for your offensive output, for your mortal wounds, and you're making your shooting phase better, and just let these guys die and fight on death and always get a trade. It's kind of nuts. Uh, anyway, next up is the Pioneers. These are the Biker Boys. Give us the lowdown. Yep, so these are one of the two native OBSEC units. Um, they're also one of the fastest. They move 12 inches. They are T5, three wounds. The, um, if you buy the extra gunner, it's a four-wound vehicle on that particular model. Uh, Four-up armor, but it's easy to get a five-up invuln on them. Um, and on top of that, they just have a ton of shots. So they got a shotgun that's two shots. They've got um, a, uh, a magna coil autocannon, which is three shots, just an autocannon profile. And then um, on top of that... I like taking the rotary cannon on one of the guys, which is just nine shots, drain six, AP two, one damage. If you're running the Emir, then you can make it AP three. That's yeah, just a lot. Yeah. You can give them a five point upgrade to ignore light cover. You can give them the roll bar searchlight to um, access the one CP. Just give a judgment token out. Very, very cool. Uh, this unit is amazing, and they have access to that one CP accelerated strat where they can just move 24 inches. So late game tagging objectives very easy with their opsec bodies. Uh, they also get a pregame move. So these guys are super fast and outstanding in my opinion. They're this, also the only data sheet with fly. I mean, if every other data sheet didn't annoy me, this one annoys me so Incredible. much, so much because they're so. And I use this term a lot. They're so fit for purpose. The, the purpose of this unit is to be obsec and remove other people's pieces of obsec. And they're so perfectly tooled at every level to do that. Like, every one of their guns is just amazing. They have a gun to clear whatever obsec you've got. Uh, and they have upgrades that just double and triple down on what they're meant to do. They're not meant to go out there and try and kill people's Terminators and, and stuff. But holy crap, you've got 10 Guardians. or You've got, you got five Rangers on an objective. Three of these guys annihilate them. Uh, like just hunting, being obsec and hunting other people's obsec, they are so well well pointed and well positioned for it. I think they're obnoxiously good. As uh, core, they and these bikes with all the keywords they have, they interact with almost every, every single, single strat rule. that's important. Yeah. It's, it's every great. single rule. It's yeah, insane. Uh, the Sagittar, this is a really interesting one. This this hasn't been released yet. I have no idea what this unit looks like as well. Give us the TLDR here. So this is their medium sized transport. Essentially, you can take it in units of two. Um, instead of just one, and that is the way that you can split up bigger units. So 10 Berserks, you can split them up into two 5-mans. So you could have take th 30 Berserks, three 10-mans, and split them up into six 5-mans. That's a way to get more units. That's the way to create MSU with this army. You can also do it for your basic troops, so you don't have a 10-man just sitting in your backfield. You can split into two 5-mans to do the same job. So it's very cool for making this army more MSU. On top of that, I like taking the auto cannon and... Basically, the unit puts out, between the bolt cannons and the auto cannon just 12 shots at high AP, 2 damage. That's awesome. Um, and then they're very fast. They're also accelerated. They move 12 inches, and they can hold 
uh, like I said, um, either five guys or you can split a ten man into two fives if you run the two of them. So, so very very cool unit. Just to explain that a little bit more, so combat squatting for space marines, envision that when you put a unit of a, a squad of ten guys and split it up into two fives, because it specifically says it's got two capacity of, ten, of five each and there's a squad of up to two. So if you have to put ten guys, you get to combat squad them for the entire game once you split them to put them in these transports. Uh, if you want, if you plan against other highly M- high MSU armies and you bought ten berserkers, well, if you bought two Sagittar, you don't have to worry because your ten berserkers become two units of five, and you just get once another step ahead on the trading war. It's really powerful, guys. And as far as the you guys know the uh, the concept of I guess the the clown car where you position a transport in a, a good midboard position, then file your units through it explosively. That becomes this activates that really well because you get. You start with like two units of five warriors in it, and then you put them into the middle of the board and force some exposure from your opponent to try and remove them. And then when they go out, berserkers go in, and you've got two units of five berserkers to respond on each of those objectives should they remove them. And it becomes just a really, really cool little dynamic, um, little play for the army. All right, what's up next? We got the Broke Geared Thunderkin. These guys are their heavy infantry with heavier weapons. Um, their big downside is that. It's hard for them to get angles, so they're basically just killing everything in front of you, which your army kind of already is. So they have a little bit of redundancy there. Um, They have some decent profiles on their weapons. They can either be just volume of fire uh, at long range or good high-quality shots at medium range. And they ignore dense cover. It's a solid unit. Um, I think it's a little outshone by the Land Fortress right now for the same role of just murdering whatever's in front of you. But they can be transported by the Land Fortress, and that helps them get angles. Uh, how many points will these run you? Oh, sorry, uh, apologies. 35 points a model. Yeah. Unless you bring the conversion beamer. They feel pretty uh, comparable to eradicators, but they don't have a melter, multi-melter option. Like, they've got... They feel like they should have las cannons and multi-melters and grav cannons and things like that, but their guns just don't seem to be incredibly good. Like, they don't, they don't have any... They've got a bunch of two damage and three damage guns, but like I said, I'm not blown away by their their damage output. Um, They're solid. They're just relatively cheap for what you get. Yeah, they get 35 points a model. It's super solid. They don't shine in this book. Is is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they overlap with the land fortress in the same role. Is because it's hard for them to actually do their damage to things that you want them to do damage to. Uh, And previously, we forgot forgot to mention the pioneers. The bikes are 30 points per model, and the sagittars are 110. And like I said, yeah, the thunderkin are 35. All right. The Hecachonk Land Fortress, this is the lucky last. This is the one that I think is going to be the one that breaks people's backs, their hearts, their minds, their souls, and their spirits. Tell us a story. So this bad boy is, well, you already mentioned it. It moves 10 inches, T8, 16 wounds, 2 up armor, no reroll wounds against it, armor of contempt. Um, in a mirror, it just gets a 4 up invuln as well. On top of that, the uh, Forge Master is making one of your big damage dealing um, attacks go to zero. It's just very hard to deal with these things. And then they have a boatload of guns. They either have a ton of bolt cannons, or if you want to go for the mortals with the Ion Storm, you can upgrade them to Ion Beamers. Shorter range, but that's really what you do in a mirror, because you get that extra range. And um, you can either decide, I prefer uh, running the SP Heaven Conversion Beamer in a mirror, because for one CP with their strat, you could potentially prop four mortals off of it. Um, but you could also run the heavy Magna Rail Cannon, which is 36-inch range, heavy 1, strength 14, AP 4, uh, 2d3 plus 6 damage, and that bleeds over, ignoring invulns. Um, but like I said, one... it's not great in the mirror matchup, so yeah, that's but, why I'm not taking that. But great Ethereum League, like if you're going to play that, that's where, what's-his-face, the great Kyle comes, himself comes in and just makes that become 
auto damage. It's kind of insane. I mean, so unless unless you get a save as AP4, like, yeah. Yeah, super durable. Ton of, ton of firepower. On top of that, it ignores light cover because it has this uh, pan-spectral scanner. And then finally, it can uh, transport 12 infantry models or um, exo-frame models count as two, or exo-armor models count as two, exo-frame count as three. And it's also accelerated, so yes. it can use the strat to just get up the board. So there have been so many comparisons that have been made between this this guy for ninth edition compared to what the repulsive executioners did in Iron Hands in eighth edition. Uh, it's actually kind of nuts how the arms oh, and race. Oh, two hundred thirty points, or if you upgrade to all the iron, it's two fifty, which so, is super reasonable. If people just want to see the uh, power creep, the rules creep between eighth edition and ninth edition, nothing on a um, nothing on a repulsive executioner ignores invulns. Nothing bleeds over. Nothing did mortals. Not, it, it had a transport capacity of six. It did not have a two plus armor save. It like at so many levels, this thing is just showing that it is one tier above that in every single way, whilst having essentially the same density of rules, synergies, and utter bullshit placed upon it. it this this thing is the biggest problem in a book full of big problems. Uh, anything else we need to mention here? Like, it, it is can we just leave it at that and say like we need a solution for the the hecachunk because it's just. The yeah, only, it's ludicrously the, under-costed. The only this thing is I cheaper have. than a Riptide. Like, Dude, are you kidding uh, me? Yeah, it's a hundred. It's like almost a, the the repulsive executioner starts at three hundred points. This thing starts at two hundred and thirty points. It's nuts. Like you, you could almost compare this like price point wise in a vacuum. You could compare this point for point with a Land Raider. <laughs> yeah, and it's a thousand times better. Oh my Ludicrous. god, it doesn't even register. They're not even on the same spectrums of value. Like, that, that, like a land raid is literally from Wish.com at this point compared to this thing. Actually, every other you know mainline battle tank. This thing, like, how many points is a is a hammerhead? Uh, the hammerhead's one forty-five. If you take the railgun and so gun drones. If you stuck two hammerheads together, are they better than this or worse than this? I mean, this is better if it has a broke your forge master by far. Yeah, because how many more points? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That is true. But just putting those two against each other, like. It's who, should, I mean, who shoots if, first. If we- the railgun doesn't, it needs to roll a three plus to wound. And if it doesn't, there's no reroll there. You don't get the, the reroll. So yeah, exactly right. If you don't wound, you're just completely dead. The land fortress will kill both of them in one turn. Hundred percent. If they're in range, yeah, it'll 100%. definitely kill one. It might not kill both, but it it, it can definitely kill one. Yeah. My only solace is is that if people take two or three of these things, only one of them is going to be you know ignoring the first instance of damage and all that crap. But my god, it's just not right. It's just not right. Anyway, there we go. That's the end of the freaking Codex, guys. That's it. That's the end of the review. I'm sorry for being Salty McSaltingson. I'm trying I'm trying to be impartial, but when I just get slapped in that face with something that is just so much better than its contemporaries, um, it, it's just really, really hard to take at times. Uh, we, so we pretty much did the um, external-internal balance of this last time, but just to reiterate, mate, is there any reason that you have to believe that this is no longer an S-tier army? That it's no longer an S tier army. Yeah, because last week we pretty much oh. wrapped up saying this is no. an S tier army, and no, this they is... should have confirmed everybody's uh, impressions. Yes. Yeah, uh, and if we haven't, you know, hope, hopefully they get up. The only other solace I have is that we still don't know when the rest of the 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 rest of the models are being released. Like if the if the land fortress doesn't come out for another month or two, maybe we've got some breathing time to address some of the er- egregious parts of this before it kind of makes us not want to play the game so much. 
yeah, but, I mean, without without the vehicles, this book is definitely not the the end of the world. Oh, 100%. Without, yeah, with, without the Land Fortress, I think this book is far, far, far more manageable. manageable. Without, the, without the Land Fortress, this is just kind of Sisters of Battle, but slower. Uh, like they have, they have repentance. Uh, it's a lot harder than sisters. I'll tell you that they do, but they don't hit. You know, they don't. Have, they don't have a Zephyr equivalent. They have pioneers instead of that. But yeah, you, you get what I mean. Like it's just, it's kind of a, just a, a kind of decently well-rounded yeah, infantry. It'd be a board control army yeah. that does a ton of damage. Yeah, exactly right. So we'll see. We'll see how long that that gets us. Um, is my thing is that this this book being an S tier pushes anything else that was an S tier or possibly even in the A plus tier down out of those slots competitively. Uh, but how happy do I, you think? I think Tyranids can stand with this. Yeah. Oh, that's very yes. encouraging because that's what we're going. That's what we're going. I believe Tyranids totally can. That's what we're going to unpack in part two, guys. So we're gonna we're gonna sign off from this one. Hopefully, it wasn't too salty for you, and hopefully, my I wasn't too bombastic with my delivery and the sultry tones of Richard kept you around. My dude, anything you'd like to plug before we wrap this one up? I mean, if you didn't listen to the beginning of the episode, check out the War Room. That is where uh, we at the Art of War teach uh, tons of private uh, classes and content on helping you get better at the game. We've got beginner-oriented content, we have intermediate content, and we also have that advanced one. So if you're trying to start winning GTs, majors, uh, we are there to help as well. If you want to check it out, head over to theartofwar40k.com slash learnmore. And there is a wonderful synopsis of what it is about, what what you get access to, sample content, reviews from our members, and also a sweet 50% off discount for your first month. So I hope to see you in there. Please join in, jump in. Uh, Art of War is your holistic one-stop shop for everything for out of sorry everything competitive 40k. So yeah, hope to see you there. It's just getting bigger and better all the time. Richard, thank you so much, my man. How happy are you with this codex? Like, does it bother you that it's it's over the top? That's too good. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make me excited to play tournaments if this thing was just fully released right now. However, um, I believe that if I believe this was written at the same time as the other strong books. Me too. So the problem is the is their philosophy of re- when they release codexes because they release them over such a long span of time, like two and a half years. They just changed design philosophies throughout the edition, and so we got a bunch of codexes that were probably relatively well balanced with each other but had just silly rules that were completely broken against the earlier codexes. So this book, in my opinion, was one of the best internally balanced codexes that they've released. Its external balance just doesn't make sense in the context of all those earlier books. So So, if they would just bring this type of internal consistency where you can run almost every data sheet in here and be totally fine, that is a great place to be. Exactly right. That's a beautiful place to be. I hope that be... I hope if they get nerfed and I, I truly believe that they do need to get need to get nerfed i hope it is a holistic nerf where everything gets turned down equally so the internal balance remains the same so everything remains takeable i had to see just wholesale portions completely removed but i don't know how they nerf a land fortress without kind of drop kick punting it out of the game uh, just make but, it worth its points like it, it's just so efficient for, oh, for 230 it just increases points i don't think they need to change too many of its rules fair well i'd love to see judgment tokens be harder to get like because I think that one of the judgment yeah. tokens is one of the biggest things that makes the land fortress just good at killing like three t- three things a turn every turn. Uh, like I said in the first part, just remove the on the objective and your opponent doing actions. Just remove those two. Delete them. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly just right. Just remove. Hundred percent. Why should I get punished for just doing the things I have you, to do? You have to do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And for uh, those, all those armies that rely on actions, that's just silly. When you say that you think this is written at the same time as the other broken codexes, do you mean the broken codexes? Dracari. Harlequin's Craft Worlds. Uh, yeah, I was about to say. Uh, Harlequin's no, Craft Worlds, Tyranid's Tower. 
that 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 bracket, or do you mean the yep. yeah the, yeah yeah? That's I, that's my yeah, opinion. This is well. so much better than Admech. It's ridiculous. Same, same. Yeah, I still don't think this is as I, I, like it's it. Sorry, I, I don't I, because it's written on such different metrics. I was pretty confident this wasn't written the same time as Admech or Drakari, which were the initial two absolutely busted STR books that came out in the first twelve months of Ninth Edition. Um, and then we it, have this is way this, better than those books. Yeah, and we've had when two we've released. had two waves of like over the top codexes since then. There was the the Custodies and and Tau waves, and then there's been the 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 Tyranids and um and the rest. Uh, but my dude, that is gonna we're gonna we already said we already we talked for another five minutes after we did the wrap up. That's just how we roll sometimes. Hope you guys have mm-hmm. enjoyed this episode. Hopefully it wasn't too over the top. Hopefully it's given you what you guys need to know about Votan. Hopefully it's been educational, informative, and entertaining, which is what we always strive to do. Richard, thank you so much, my man. We're gonna go over, over to part two, and we're gonna go through every single faction in the game and talk about how you can get closer, how you can change your list. We're gonna be talking about the top lists in the game for that faction how they can be tweaked, how they can be changed to get closer to their Votan nemeses, which may be emerging in the meta at the moment. But Richard, thanks again once again, and I say goodnight, brother. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the lesson. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.